suck at sales because your marketing and your offer are not aligned. You're reaching the wrong audience. You need to be able to say no and walk away. You cannot enter a sales call with the mindset of this is make or break. It's actually a very like simple, straightforward problem, but a ton of people overlook these things. How do you get people excited to buy from a boring business? I use social media to help scale a real estate tax firm to over a million dollars a year in just 18 months. And now I help service businesses all over America get awesome clients and build a business they love. This podcast is my public journal where I'm sharing lessons I'm learning in real time as I build my own million dollar business and help others do the same. I used to suck at sales. Before every sales call, I was sweating, I was stressing out, and <laughs> I think I actually threw up a couple times. Yeah, maybe, I, maybe that's too much information. But today, sales is easy for me, right? And I've come up with a few stages we all go through as entrepreneurs who are selling our own service, okay? Stage number one is selling is really hard because you don't know anything. You're just, you don't know anything about sales. You're not good at the thing you're trying to sell. Uh, or the thing you're trying to sell isn't good, so you don't have confidence in it. And it's just really, really rough at this stage. Stage number two, selling is easy because you've gotten good at the thing you do, and you're selling to a super, super warm audience. It's like personal connections, family and friends. You just rarely get the chance to sell because you're only selling to this hyper warmed up audience. Stage number three, selling is hard again because you get to sell more often, but these leads are cooler, right? You finally figured out some way to get leads coming to you, uh, people outside of just your personal network, but obviously they don't know you, they don't have trust pre-built in you. So it's a lot more difficult at this stage. And then stage number four, selling is easy because you're, you're legitimately good at it now. Okay, so I wanna help you bypass these first three stages and we're gonna skip straight to stage number four where selling is easy simply because you're good at it. And today we're gonna do that by kicking these five bad habits I see a ton of business owners engaging in. So without further ado, let's get into these five reasons you suck at sales. So reason number one is you really, really need the win. Now here's the deal. You need to be able to say no and walk away. You cannot enter a sales call with the mindset of this is make or break because it's a well-known fact like 90% of being good at sales is being able to handle rejection, right? Even the best salespeople in the world probably close at around a like 30 to 35% closing rate, right? And so that means like two thirds of the time they're hearing no. So from a mindset standpoint to solve this, you need to be able to say no and walk away. But this doesn't just come out of the blue, like you can't just hold this mindset with nothing to back it up, right? So practically, we need to set ourselves up so that no sales call is make or break, okay? So you need to know when and where your next sales call is coming from. If you, uh, if you have inconsistent leads coming in, if it's like one week I have five sales calls and then next week I have zero, well then we've got a problem because that fifth sales call this week and you see your empty calendar for next week, you're like, I'm not gonna make any money for two weeks uh, if I don't close this sales call. So you need to have consistent lead flow coming in, you need to know when your next lead is coming and you need to know where it's going to come from. If you have this confidence, that really helps you to be able to say no and walk away. Now, another practical thing you can employ here is just having cash in the bank so that if you have a bad week or a bad month, you'll survive, 
right? So in that example of five sales calls this week, no sales calls next week, you get to that fifth sales call, you get to that last one on Friday, and you go, you look at next week's empty calendar, but you go, I have enough money to where the business will continue to operate and will be okay if I don't close a deal for two weeks. And then third here, the third like practical thing you can do is just not taking all your value from clients up front. Let's say you're a financial planner and you do yearly financial planning engagements, right? I, uh, I close a client and I charge them, let's say $8,000 for the year. Well, if I get that $8,000 now, on the one hand, that's great because my, my customer acquisition cost is covered immediately. Uh, all my costs related to the client are covered immediately, right? Anything it takes me to deliver, I've got cash in the bank to pay the team. But that means I need to be really freaking good at managing that money versus if I have some sort of monthly recurring revenue model, then it makes it much easier for me to justify taking the gas off the brick. Now imagine that same situation, I'm instead charging like a startup fee and then monthly recurring revenue on top of that. Let's say I charge $2,000 up front, covers my customer acquisition cost, covers my cost of delivery, and so now my profit is that monthly recurring revenue, right? 600 bucks a month, let's say, right? So if I'm charging that monthly recurring revenue, then guess what? Next month, if I don't close as many deals, I've still got money coming in the door, and so I feel relatively secure in that scenario. So main takeaways here in order to root out the sense of desperation that your clients are smelling on your sales calls is get your lead flow fixed so you know when and where your next sales call is coming from. Have cash in the bank so that you've got a backup if you have a bad week or you have a bad month. And then find some sort of MRR model that you can employ to where you've got money coming in regardless of how many clients you sell this month. Now, reason number two that you suck at sales is expectations on the sales call just aren't aligned, right? So oftentimes this takes the form of the prospect comes on thinking this is a discovery call. Oh, I'm just here to like, you know, kind of learn about what you do and like, you know, ask a couple questions and you intend to take payment at the end, okay? So this is a misalignment in what is this call actually supposed to be. There's a few pretty simple ways to avoid this misalignment. It's actually a very like simple, straightforward problem, but a ton of people overlook these things. So number one is pre-call sequencing, okay? So sending emails or a video before the call, setting expectations. I have a three email sequence that goes out uh, I think one email goes out 10 minutes after they book, one goes out six hours after they book, and then one goes out six hours before the call. And so these emails, the text of the email, the copy, tells them what to expect, but also they link a pre-call video where, where prospects can go watch that exact same content, what to expect on the sales call. And that just gets them like they're in front of my face and they're watching me for about three minutes. So it just builds a little bit more trust and a little bit more sense of familiarity with me before the call. So this is your pre-call sequencing. That's one way to avoid this misalignment in what the call is actually uh, supposed to be for. But the, uh, the second way you can do this is at the beginning of the call, just simply set expectations before you get straight into business. So when you transition from talking about the weather or whatever, <laughs> whatever you're doing to like build rapport with them, before you transition from that into, great, so my first question for you today is whatever. I just like to say, hey, the way these calls usually go, I'm gonna ask some questions to get to understand your scenario and where you're at. I'm gonna give you a little bit of information on my offer. Uh, you can ask any questions you've got, and then if it's a good fit, we'll go ahead and move forward and get you signed up at the end of the call. Does that sound good? And so by giving them this instruction or this rundown of what the call is gonna look like, and then asking their permission or asking for their consent before you move on, if you get to the end and you're like, great, so will that be Visa or MasterCard? 
and they go, oh, hold up here. You go, oh, wait, no, we, we agreed at the beginning. If this is a good fit, then we're going to move forward, right? And so you're kind of setting the stage and aligning goals on the call before you get into business. Reason number three, you suck at sales, is there's some sort of status imbalance between you and the prospect, okay? Now, this could go either way, right? Either the prospect feels higher status than you, or you feel higher status than the prospect. And either way, this feels kind of icky and it feels kind of gross for the prospect. So I'm gonna give you two scenarios. Number one is uh, just an example of like the prospect feeling higher status than you. So when I was very early in my content agency days, I got on a sales call. This guy was a referral from a current client. So you would think pretty warmed up lead, right? But I didn't do any sort of like pre-sales call process with him. I didn't have any emails uh, sent his way. All I did was he sent me an email saying he had been referred to me by my current client. And I just sent an email back. Great. Let's hop on a call in my Calendly link. And I didn't have like any pre-call screening questions or anything. So I get on the call with this guy. I have no idea who he is or what he's about other than like my quick Google search, knowing that he does real some something in the real estate world, some sort of wholesaling thing. Right. And so we get on this call and I'm just asking the most basic questions just because I had no familiarity with him, no familiarity with his industry or what he was doing. And frankly, I think it came across pretty clearly that I wasn't really on my A game here. And, you know, frankly, first impressions do matter. Right. So the, there was just this massive status imbalance where the prospect was up here and I was down here and I'm like shooting up. What I didn't realize was this dude was spending over a million dollars a year on advertising alone already. And so me offering him at the end a $2,000, yeah, we'll edit 20 videos a month for you, wasn't what he was looking for in the least, right? I was assuming he was lower status than he was. And so what could have been a $10,000 a month client where I'm running ads, we're creating a ton of content for him, uh, ended up fizzling and not becoming anything because I assumed he was lower status than he was. And it was very clear to him that I was shooting up. Now, the opposite can also cause problems where the prospect feels way lower status than you. I'll also give you an example of this. So last year, there was a uh, there was a coaching program that I was interested in. And I ended up getting on a sales call with one of their sales reps, one of their closers. And just throughout the entirety of the call. Now, I'll, I'll grant you, this guy was incredible at like the, uh, the online coaching, like closer style of sales. But this style of sales is just very like beat the prospect up, make them feel like crap, make them feel like they have to make a change, make them feel like their whole life is garbage. And, you know, that's what's going to get them to pay you $10,000. And so this guy was just like beating me into the ground, right? You know, making these statements about how terrible my situation was and how terrible my business was. And I was going to go out of business in three months if I didn't make a change. And like trying to convince me of this, right? Because that's in his mind and in, 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 in that style of sales, that's how you convince someone and that's how you sell someone. But for me, that just created this massive imbalance where this guy's up here and I'm down here. And I'm like, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't in alignment with what I'm looking for. Now, I actually just thought of a third example here where there was a, a very like level status balance. And that's actually with my like current business coach. His name's Grayson. Phenomenal dude. Awesome. He, very good friend of mine at this point. But the way our sales call went when we were initially uh, getting me enrolled into his program, it was just very like peer to peer, right? And so that's that's the style of selling that I've taken on because it works well on me. And so I figure if it works well on me and I attract prospects similar to myself, then it probably will work well on them. Just very peer to peer, 
just very uh, you know straightforward. I'm not trying to beat the prospect up, but I'm also not trying to make them feel really good about themselves, you know, without any without any reason to do that. It's just peer to peer, like one guy talking to another guy, one girl talking to another girl. And in my opinion, and in my experience over the past you know, 50 plus sales calls that I've been taking. That is the status balance that you should be looking for in your sales calls. Now, reason number four that you suck at sales is your marketing and your offer are not aligned. So most likely here, you're reaching the wrong audience, okay? So imagine I'm selling a, uh, a $5,000 a year tax planning offer. And for whatever reason, the prospects I'm getting on calls with, I'm closing at like 10%, right? Because the prospects are just not the right people. I'm not attracting the right audience to my brand. And so the sales calls I'm booking are just not going well because of that. And I see this all the time, especially in tax, because these, uh, these tax people who are creating content or running ads online, a lot of them are, they're just speaking a newbie language, right? They're talking about like, when do you need an LLC? And you know, how to get a business write-off on your taxes. And it's like, okay, if you're trying to attract somebody who can pay you $5,000 to uh, consult with them on their tax plan, then they already have their LLC stuff figured out. They already know what a business write-off is, okay? We're not talking to newbies here. We're not talking to broke people. But in this style of content, you are speaking to and you are attracting newbies and broke people, people who just aren't making enough money to where they could even save $5,000 on their taxes. And so by flipping that switch, speaking a higher level language, you're going to simultaneously push away the newbies and the brokies because they don't even understand what you're talking about and they just think you're talking about gibberish, but you are going to attract the people who are looking for that high level knowledge. And so that's the way, you know, for example, one of my clients learned like a CPA, Ryan, he, he consistently attracts these high level people who have money to spend and who, you know, if they spend $5,000 with him, they're going to save 20 grand on their tax bill. And the way he attracts these people is he doesn't talk about when do you need an LLC? He doesn't talk about how to get a business write off. He's talking about high level real estate investment terminology. He's talking about high level real estate investment uh, analysis. He's talking about tax strategies and accounting strategies that are not stuff that's going to be used by a brand new real estate investor with one property. He's talking about stuff that people with five, 10, 100 properties need to know. And so that's how he's attracting the right audience. And that's where his marketing and his offer are aligned, right? Because he's attracting the, the audience that needs his solution. Now, reason number five that you suck at sales is you simply don't believe in yourself or your offer, okay? And here's, this is like a, a very cliche statement at this point, but I think it's really, really important. And like cliches are cliches for a reason, right? Because they're generally true across a number of different areas of life, right? So if what you're offering has the power to transform someone's life or someone's business, then you would be doing them a disservice by not convincing them to invest into it, right? And so if you don't have the confidence to do this, then either you have a pricing problem, you have a product problem, or you have a mindset problem, and it's usually a combination of these three, right? Now, here's the thing. A pricing problem is pretty easy to fix. If you can identify you have a pricing problem, then you simply go, do I need to raise or lower my price? Usually you need to raise it, by the way. From, from my experience. So you solve your pricing problem, that's easy enough. That's just a simple like practical problem that you can solve. If you have a product problem, 
That's also not a super difficult problem to solve. You just go, okay, where is my product lacking and what do I need to do to fill this hole, right? Now the mindset problem, that's a little bit more complicated, right? I can't, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a psychiatrist, I can't tell you how to fix your mindset problem here where you simply just don't have the self-confidence to believe in yourself enough to sell your thing. But there is an Alex Hormozy quote that comes to mind. It's a quote that's gone viral like a million times. But basically he says, you don't build self-confidence by shouting affirmations in the mirror. You do it through building an undeniable stack of evidence that you are who you say you are. And so let's say you're a financial planner, right? The more success stories you have with your clients, the more self-confidence you're gonna have in yourself. The more money your clients save, the more money your clients invest, the more debt your clients climb out of, the more evidence you have to back up hey, I am who I say I am. I say I'm a good financial planner, I am a good financial planner. And so this is the way that I've overcome multiple times in my life where I've had a mindset issue around uh, self-confidence or not believing in myself. I simply go, okay, do I have evidence to prove that I am who I say I am, yes or no? If yes, then I simply look at that evidence every time I feel doubt in myself or I feel a lack of confidence. And if no, then I simply go, okay, what do I need to do to build that stack of confidence? Do I need to lower my prices so that I'm not charging as much and I can feel okay about like, you know, I don't have confidence that this is gonna work, but I'm not charging you that much. That's one way to go about it. Do I need to do it for free or find a couple of beta clients to who I know are gonna really crush it and so I'm going to, you know, invest into them without them paying me any money. That's another way to go about it. But ultimately you just need to go, do I have the evidence, yes or no? If yes, then what am, I, what am I doing worrying about this, right? Just look at that evidence every time you feel doubt. And if no, then I need to go build that evidence. Guys, thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the show. I wanna remind you, I don't run sponsorships. I don't do paid ads for the show. And so the only way that this grows is through word of mouth. So if somebody you know could benefit from listening to the show, then I would so appreciate if you just spread the love, send it their way, and let them know what you loved about the episode. Guys, thank you so much, and I will see you in the next episode.